right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on Raven Conversations. Today, uh, in this episode, we are going to talk about Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month for the month of May. Uh, my name is Peter. I am one of the public affairs specialists here in the Washington Military Department. And uh, I have a few guests uh, with me here today. Um, and we'll just go around the table. If uh, you can introduce yourselves, we'll start from left to right. Good afternoon, everyone. I am Captain Tiffany Cadenhead. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I am Captain Lottie Chul. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Sergeant First Class Lance Shimamoto. Aloha. 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 <laughs> Thank you for uh, coming out here today. So we'll just start off with the biggest question. What, what does Asian Pacific American Heritage Month mean to you? To me, it's, it's a representation um, and recognition of the struggles of Americans of Asian descent uh, to remember that we, uh, as that t community and ethnicity, were a big part of this uh, this American idea, right? Mm -hmm. Becoming the great country it is, and it's it's part of actually American history. Right. So I see it as a really important thing that should be remembered and should be recognized. Um, I agree. I fall on with that. It's like growing up all my life. It what being Asian American wasn't like a big deal because I am uh, mixed. My dad's from Bangladesh. And then my mom is European descent, so I grew up with that confusion. So to be able to be a part of this is just awesome. Well, like everyone mentioned, you know, heritage, um, tra tradition, but it's also an opportunity to show everyone else where you came from, mm -hmm. show everyone else some of how you grew up, what kind of traditions you have, and then you can share some of that influence that you have right. on your community Absolutely. as well. I think these observances is very important because it's a way to sort of share this is what we have going on um, in our culture, in our heritage. Even within the Asian and Pacific Islander community, there's so much diversity in there, too. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And I wanted to uh, sort of touch base with Kevin Cadenhead. Um, <laughs> so we'll start off with your ethnicity. Okay. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, I am mixed. My dad is from Bangladesh. Um, born and raised in a town called Barisal, which mm. is like 150 miles south of Dhaka, the capital. Okay. Um, and then my mother is Caucasian, mm -hmm. and full European descent there. Uh, so my maiden name is Hussein. Okay. And growing wow. up, that was, you know, different, especially right. in my small community that I lived in. Um, but it was always like a challenge to see who, who am I, right? Right. Um, my dad came over in, to America in the 80s and he just adopted American culture. He's like the most patriotic. Like Christmas, I get the Constitution book for yeah. my present. So, <laughs> but yeah, so like growing up, it was difficult, like understanding who I was. Like I would ask questions for my dad. He would try to teach us the language here and there. Mm -hmm. But really, it's like you're being thrown into like, where do you belong? Right. right? And so for a long time, I identified like on the on the little forums, I'm white. Because there wasn't oh, a yeah, yeah. mixed right. other or anything mm -hmm. else like that, you know. And so not until probably the last five years have I really embraced that side of my heritage mm -hmm. and getting to know my dad more. Nice. I think it, it, it's interesting because um, even Asian Americans, uh, even those that 
maybe were even born here, mm-hmm. yeah, they have a hard time with identity. Like, where do I fit in? Right. And I think your story is just, um, it, it's amazing just going through, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's my identity, especially with your parents. You, uh, you know, what, your dad from being from uh, Bangladesh and then mm-hmm. your mom um, being from European descent. Yeah. Um, and, and still trying to hold on to the that Asian side right. I think it's huge so yeah I've only met a few of my family members and distant cousins mm-hmm. from my father's side um and then both my grandparents there have already passed on so it's mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm like grasping to try to like hold on to that because right. you know once my father moves on that's it so right. and for my children like I want them to know that, that they're, you know what I mean yeah, like absolutely. they're not that's not forgotten right, right. so especially with the way the world is now. <laughs> so right. I don't want them to forget where they came from. Kevin Shum, uh, yeah. your ethnicity, and can you talk <laughs> a little bit maybe about, you know, the the culture? Absolutely. So uh, I'm actually Cambodian. Okay. I was actually born in Cambodia. Um, my my uh, ethnicity is actually mixed as well. Um, my grandpa was half French, Dutch, and Cambodian. Wow. Uh, my, okay. My, my dad's side. So, yeah, he was a... If you, I have one picture left of him. Uh, most of our stuff was destroyed during the uh, genocide, mm-hmm. uh, during the Khmer Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Um, but yeah, uh, he was six one. Uh, I'm six two, so I stood <laughs> out in the Cambodian community. Yeah. Also, I'm light skinned <laughs> so I don't have that stereotypical Cambodian look, Cambodian mm-hmm. build. But uh, yeah, I uh, was born there. Mom was a Chinese Cambodian. Okay. Yep. So uh, from that side, my grandma, she was a. Uh, Pakistani, mm-hmm. Cambodian, and Thai. Wow. I'm a melting pot of different uh, <laughs> uh, Asian cultures and European. Um, Which yeah. isn't a bad thing. You get a Not little bit all. of everything. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, being 6'2", there's some benefits <laughs> to that. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I lived in Cambodia. Um, then uh, my, my dad uh, and grandpa were um, really, you know, kind of like a well-off at the time before mm-hmm. the Khmer Rouge. Okay. Um, once that happened, we uh, everything was destroyed. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually, I, I think we can go later into that, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, it's uh, we uh, are known as the land of a thousand smiles. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, Cambodians are known for being very generous, giving, kind, and uh, more of a, uh, just a happy uh, culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think predominantly some of that also is based on uh, it being ninety percent, or at least ninety percent. Uh, Buddhist religion. Mm-hmm. So, and Buddhism teaches a way of you know equilibrium, right? And mm-hmm. Equality. Right. We're all equal. We're all the same, and achieving that nirvana. Uh, I think that ties into why the culture is the way it is. Mm-hmm. So, when, when did you end up coming to the states? You're oh saying yeah, you're uh, yeah. I came to America in 1981. Uh, okay. Yep, right into Portland, North Portland, Oregon. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. You came uh, straight over here absolutely. to the Northwest. Yeah, I didn't. Okay. I didn't speak any English. Okay. Uh, and and uh, I remember. So the school systems are different right, in, right. Uh, in Cambodia compared to America. In, mm-hmm. in Cambodia, they're very disciplinary. Uh, if you were caught talking or if you were caught looking at someone else's work mm-hmm. and not listening to teachers, they would, you know, my mom used to tell me they would spank your hand with a ruler or yeah. make you stand at the corner holding rocks up in mm-hmm. a squatting position. Oh, wow. That yes. was the punishment. Mm-hmm. So I want you to understand that when I went to school, my mom would tell me, you need to listen to the teacher and do what they right, say right. or they're going to punish you. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, assimilation into the American society was tough for me because mm. there was a lot of fear in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a fear of deportation uh, back to Cambodia, right. and we didn't want to go back after the war. Um, but I remember I spoke zero English, mm. 
And my own words I knew, and I still recall because it was, you know, you recall traumatic incidents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yes and thank you. Uh, okay. Uh, and uh, my, my teacher uh, gave us a piece of paper. Uh-huh. And I remember sitting there. And I didn't know what to do, but I didn't want to get in trouble. Uh-huh. But I looked around, and I saw all the kids just doing this, you know, scribbling mm-hmm. on their paper. So I thought I'd just copy it so that I didn't stand out. Right, right. So I would start scribbling on the paper. And then the teacher came by, and she looked at me. She goes, no, she erased it, and uh-huh. I thought I was in trouble. Yeah. And then she said, your name. Like, I could read oh. her notes. I can recall this. Right. And then she took my hand, and she wrote my name. Oh. And my response was, yes. Thank yes, you. Thank you. That was it. I still remember that till the day. Wow. But yeah, that was wow. my experience just first coming here. Uh, and I think <laughs> I, I, language barrier is a huge thing. I mean, oh, absolutely. It was it was tough, but uh, come a long way. Mm. Yeah, from speaking zero English to now. <laughs> now pretty much perfect English. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we'll move on to uh, Sergeant First Class Shimamoto. Um, your ethnicity, and can you talk a little bit about you know maybe your heritage, culture? Yeah. So. Uh, growing up in Hawaii, it's, it's really hard to find someone who's like pure Japanese, pure Hawaiian. So, you know, most of us are all mixed. So I'm Hawaiian, Japanese, Portuguese, mm-hmm. Caucasian, and, you know, uh, that's how it is growing up. Everybody, you know, was mixed. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of diversity. But um, growing up in Hawaii is amazing, to be honest. <laughs> you know, like... You go, awesome. you go to other places like in the south and you see like everybody of a certain color mm-hmm. or you know you go to other places in the pacific northwest everybody's a different color mm-hmm. but in hawaii everybody's mixed and if you're not you kind of stand out right so mm-hmm. so i i was i was raised by believing that everybody's good until they show you otherwise mm-hmm. right so you kind of the spirit of aloha right. is always there so you're always greeting somebody mm-hmm. how you want to be greeted and you know show respect to everybody until they show you differently and then you kind of take that and and do with it what you need to but um i locked out so hard just growing up in hawaii got a, as much japanese culture as i could handle yeah as much hawaiian culture as i could eat you know because we we like to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Hawaii yeah. has some good food. Yeah, yeah I know yeah, some good food. So, I'm yeah. always trying to get him to stop by the Hawaiian restaurants on the road trips. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Seattle. So use it, using all of that, and then coming into the military, it's it was a lot. It's very similar because the military is a mix of a whole bunch of different right, cultures right. as well. So, um, growing up without growing up without that prejudice or you know that mm-hmm. that those stereotypes helped me you know assimilate a lot easier into the military, but. Um, English, I'm still working on, so I give you credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. I yeah, appreciate that. The uh, pigeon English is, is strong, you know, no matter where you go. And it, it's funny because you meet somebody else from Hawaii, mm-hmm. and you start off talking normally, and then that, a few that minutes later, the pigeon comes out, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, brah, how you stay?" You know, stuff like yeah, that. Absolutely. So that's that's how it is. Um, but culture in Hawaii, it's it's its own identity, I think. Right. You know? um, it pulls from every other, you know, culture that's been or, you know, group that's been to Hawaii and mm-hmm. makes it makes it its own. So so we'll, we'll go and do um, everyone's favorite part of maybe their culture. I want to see if it's similar or even different in, in, in a way. Um, I, I know you have the European side and the Bangladesh yeah. side. Um, can you speak on certain cultures that uh, even recently that you sort of grasped onto? 
Um, yeah, so growing up, my dad, he always made sure that he made us his curry. Oh, <laughs> so, curry. Yeah. I think and, that's the common yeah. one across yeah. all Asian cultures. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't, you know, growing up, I didn't really know how different curry could be. Oh, yeah, very right? different. And so <laughs> yeah. his is very much like a red-brown curry. Okay. But I always remember, don't make it hot. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't handle it. Now I'm like, I need to throw on more red pepper. <laughs> but, yeah, no, um, we don't. We don't celebrate too much of that culture. I think just because mm-hmm. his family's so far away, mm-hmm. but he loves talking about it. Like he'll talk to his grandchildren and always remember how the only thing I ever remember how to say is I love you. And it's Ume Tabaki Balawashi. How do you say that? Oh, cool. Ume. <laughs> Ume Tabaki Balawashi. And Ume that's I love tabaki. you in Bangla, oh. which Bangla is the language. Um, and then Bangladeshi is like the identity okay. over there. Yeah, so okay. that's like really the only exposure I've had. And I remember this huge dictionary mm-hmm. that he would try to teach yeah. us through. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just been interesting being here and being closer to him because he lives in Tri Cities, um, l- remembering and learning mm-hmm. those things, you know, because like I said, his family is kind of. They're getting older, you know, and so he's starting to share more from over there. I think it's hard for, especially the generation that our parents come from, like my parents immigrated here, Mm -hmm. um, of because they're busy adapting to this whole another society. But at the same time, they want you, they want to teach you, like just like your dad did. Yeah. Um, They want to teach you so you can maintain some of that culture and it it doesn't get lost while you're living here in America. Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, that comes from our parents' generation to sort of try to balance out the two. Mm -hmm. I know, I know my parents tried so hard Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that I I maintained a a piece of the culture and heritage Mm -hmm. of Korea, right? Um, so I, I think I think a lot of us have something like that yeah, to absolutely. share, right? Yeah, for me, it's I didn't realize the importance of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Growing up for me was, like I mentioned, uh, assimilating to American society. I wanted to be an American. I wanted everything American because this is my my home now, and mm-hmm. this is who I am. And I really didn't think of the importance of my Asian ethnicity, heritage, and culture until I got older. And then I realized that's who that's, that's a part of me. That's who I am, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize how important that was. And now it's harder for me to try to preserve that mm-hmm. because with my kids, you know, they're they're you know they're born here, they're Americanized. I, I try to instill that you mm-hmm. know into them, like, hey, this is part of who you are. Yeah. This is what makes you special and unique, just like everyone else. You know, yeah. everyone is special, and unique in their own way. But this is something you should always try to retain right. because I see it disappearing. Yeah. And as I see it in my cousins, mm-hmm. I see it in my, my sisters, mm-hmm. um, there's no more of an importance in our family to try to carry that on to right, the generation right. because we're so caught up in uh, how everything is here today mm-hmm. in America. And it's like, hey, this is who we are. And I'm like, well, you know, there's, you're also this too. And that's what makes you special as well. You know? Right. You don't think about it when you're younger. Mm-hmm. Right. You, right. Yeah, you, you just, exactly. just want to yeah. live your dream. Yeah, and, absolutely. But... Um, but when you get older, you realize, like, oh, wow, this is actually really important. My parents yeah. are actually right about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and they instill some kind of ethic, like work ethic mm-hmm. um, oh, that absolutely. my parents, yep. and coming from Asian community, like, if you ain't working hard, right. you ain't working. Right. 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 Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. There better be some sweat or you better be thinking about what you're going to do next because, mm-hmm. yeah. When you spoke about work ethic, it, it's another thing like um, – 
it's part of what they went through, like mm -hmm. immigrating here. It's like they're Absolutely. constantly working. Yes. And I think that sort of comes down to Absolutely. us because they're saying, hey, what are you doing? You should be doing something. Make make use of your time. That's what my right. parents always mm -hmm. told me. Yes. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> or uh, you can be a doctor one day. You can be a doctor right. one day. Oh, yeah. my goodness. We don't have a lawyer yeah. in it's our family. Doctors, that's it. No exceptions. So I, and I think that all just comes from, you know, um, just a stepping stone. I remember my parents always told me, you know, uh, we're, we're your stepping stone. So we expect a little bit more out of you to take advantage of their hard work so we can lead a better life in, mm -hmm. you know, in the yep, States. Absolutely. So yeah. I think yeah. that's a huge thing. You were talking a little bit about, you know, hungry and food. Hawaii's got some good food. Um, do you have a favorite dish? Yeah, yeah, it's one that I make my own. Uh, it's, it's called uh, hash patties. Okay. But it's corned beef hash from the corn, mm -hmm. or from the can, I'm sorry. From the can. <laughs> corned beef hash. And Close. then um, you take potatoes, mm -hmm. and then you b cut those up in cubes and boil it, and then you make it into a hamburger patty, and mm -hmm. then you fry it on the stove. It's wow. like a quarter inch of oil or whatever. And then you serve it with rice. So mm -hmm. every time I make that, it's it's gone like <laughs> nice. kids love it and everything but other than that um make my own tonkatsu which is okay. like pork katsu yes yes and then um yeah poke for sure <laughs> any, any type of poke there was a huge poke hype for a while yeah i remember yeah <laughs> it's real poke is real yeah, it's real <laughs> we, uh, we love it my kids love like uh, taco poke, which okay. is like the octopus poke, and then there's so much food out yeah, there. I'm yeah. getting hungry thinking about <laughs> it. Kim Chum, in uh, Cambodia, any Cambodian dishes that you you specifically like? For me, it's uh, it's called kaw. Okay. And what it is, it's uh, you like kind of burn this brown sugar, into, or just kind of cook the sugar into it browns, mm -hmm. and then I don't really know how to cook it. I just know my mom makes it, and it's the best. <laughs> yeah. And I wish I was there every time she makes it, but she always makes it before I visit her to uh -huh. have it ready for me. I'm like, ah, so mom, come on. I want to see how you make it so I can make it because, you know, I want to make it my own one day. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's 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 beef or pork. Okay. Right? And you have nice strips of fat on it, mm -hmm. and then you let it boil in this brown marinade. Sweet. It's a... It's like a sweet spice to okay. it, like black pepper spice, not too spicy. It has a sweetness to it. Um, and then it's mixed with bamboo. Uh, mm. And then you just let it kind of boil over. And you just kind of soak the dark brown sauce on the rice with the uh, with the pork fat and uh, the bamboo. And also hard-boiled eggs is okay. mixed in there as well. So you kind of crack that egg and a half once hard-boiled, you know, and then kind of triple the sauce on that. Well, it's not, actually, he's probably around, but it's actually sounding really good right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I think about it. But, yeah, it's called call. Okay. Yeah, yeah, everything sounds good. You know, yeah. curry, call. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and, and that's another thing with uh, the Asian community. We all have our different dishes. That's Absolutely. so yeah. unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and even curry. You, you know, uh, Kem, Kate, and Ed, you're talking about uh, how everyone has their curry yeah, for, there's you know, Thai curry, green yeah, curry, green coconut curry, curry, curry. Yeah. Yeah, curry <laughs> red curry, yeah. Japanese curry, Japanese, Japanese curry. curry. curry yeah. 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 That's what I mean. It's like one of the most common foods almost. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, we have our own curry too. It's similar to Thai. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. It's really good. 
So we spoke a little bit about food. That got me a little hungry. But uh, <laughs> we spoke a little about food, our culture. Um, I want to touch base on just your experiences growing up in America as a you know Asian American or a Pacific Islander. How were your experiences like? We'll, we'll start off with you, Kem uh, Chum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you came over here, mm-hmm. uh, and you had that language barrier. I mean, how hard was that for you? It was actually pretty tough, um, and it's kind of interesting that we discuss on different ethnicities mm-hmm. in the Asian community mm-hmm. because growing up, I wasn't exposed to that. You know, coming from a refugee camp, mm-hmm. we just knew Cambodians. And I think my mom mentioned that that was the first time she saw an American. Mm-hmm. It was actually at a refugee camp because uh, we we were from the jungles of Bandung, Cambodia, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you're you're in the jungle. You don't really mm-hmm. see too many Caucasian people running right. around in the jungle there. Um, but uh, yeah, she, that was the first time she saw a Caucasian person as an American. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when we came to America, uh, I tried really hard like I said, to blend in, and I didn't know there were other Asian ethnicities. So when I saw another Asian person, I thought they were Cambodian. Wow. Oh. I didn't know they were Chinese. I didn't yeah. know they were Koreans. I didn't know there was uh, Japanese. I didn't know that. So I would approach them and speak Khmer, mm-hmm. language of Cambodia, to them, and they would just look at look me. Look at you. Yeah. Doing like, headlights. Yeah. And I, I, I thought I was... <laughs> the dumb one like oh man I, I must be saying it wrong right right or something and then I told my mom about my experiences she says no there's other you know right. Asian cultures so because of that I think it was really hard for me to try to communicate to the Asian community as well mm-hmm. as American community mm-hmm. I'd rather say um, but then over time uh, as I got older I noticed that because of my goal to become more Americanized, mm-hmm. I tend to have more American friends. Okay. Um, and also there was a phase I remember in my teenage years where there was different sectors of uh, Asian communities. Mm-hmm. So you had your Cambodians that hung yeah. out with the Cambodians. Yes. You had the Vietnamese <laughs> hung out with the Vietnamese. And there was no like connection there. Like right. either you're going to hang out with the Cambodians or you can hang out with the Vietnamese. Yeah, there seems gonna... to be no middle ground yes, there was usually, no middle ground. Right? I was that middle ground guy. Okay. Like, I have friends that are Vietnamese. I have friends, my you know, f- my family that are Cambodian. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I majority of my friends were actually white, black, more Americans mm-hmm. uh, than they were Asians. Mm-hmm. Um, even through high school, it was the same thing. All my friends were Amer- uh, you know, white, black, mm-hmm. uh, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to blend in with the Asian community. Um, for some reason, there was that disconnect kind of kept me away from that because mm-hmm. I wasn't Cambodian enough, or mm-hmm. I was. No, you're not Vietnamese, dude. You can't hang with us. Oh, you're not. Right. You know, you, this is the Chinese. I had Chinese friends that I played tennis with, you know, and my bros. And that was it, man. It was just, I just got along with, pretty much it ended up with me getting along with whoever wanted to get along with me. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting yeah. how you bring that up because, you know, as, um, you know, Pacific Islanders, Asian Americans, mm-hmm. j- just being in the state, I feel like throughout the years, there has been a new culture that has been created amongst those i don't want to say left out but i know exactly i can relate with you because right. i'm korean I, I was born in in jersey I, i'm from america oh, wow. and yeah. you know when i try to get attached to the korean community i still feel that Outcast. emptiness. yes it's yes. just like i can't relate to what right. you guys experience when you're younger in korea right yeah. but at the same time when i try to relate with my white black hispanic friends it's like well i'm not one of yeah, you right that group, yeah. yeah um so 
I think for the longest time for me, it was just like I felt myself somewhere in the middle going back yeah, and absolutely forth. Absolutely, same here. Yeah. Right. And then now these days, I feel like there's this Asian-American, you know, uh, community now. Yeah, like you, yeah. I was just in the middle, man. Mm-hmm. And I think that worked well for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason is because that made me realize that it didn't matter if what race or ethnicity you were. Right, right. Right. It, it really came down to the people, the individuals, mm-hmm. their characteristics, their attributes as an individual. Mm-hmm. That's what taught me that's what really is important. Mm-hmm. The people you meet and associate with and your friends mm-hmm. are the people, are based on the people that you identify well with, you know, right, you get along right. well because of their character, their, how good of a person they are. Or, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it wasn't because, oh, you know, he's Vietnamese and that's why I'm hanging out with him. No, it's because he's a cool dude. Right. And I'm a cool dude. And I, I can think relate I'm a cool with dude, him. <laughs> but I'm going to hang out with this dude. And um, staying on the topic of identity, um, your experiences, Kevin Caden, it, um, you know, being Bangladesh and, uh, you know, of, also of European descent, and with the name Hussein, mm-hmm. um, were there any uh, hurdles or any experiences oh, yeah. that you went through that yeah. you can talk to us about? Yeah. So growing up, I actually grew up in a black community. So I was actually the minority, the light-skinned girl <laughs> in school. Um, and everyone, are you mixed? Yes, I'm mixed. Are you black? No, I'm not black. Are mm-hmm. you Hispanic? No, I'm not. Because in Texas, it's a lot of Hispanic. Right, right. right. So it just is what it is. So... Um, growing up, there was there was a lot of tension there, mm-hmm. especially with the name Hussein. Mm-hmm. And um, about the time 9-11 happened mm-hmm. or, and all that was going on, mm-hmm. that was a hurdle, too. Because I, I clearly remember, like, jokes being made, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand. And I remember, um, so I was in junior ROTC in high school, and we would wear our class A's, mm-hmm. like, every week. And I remember people looking at my name. Hussein, and when that was going on, mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, and you're in the military, or like you're associated. Right, right, like, right. why are you doing this?" So right. it was a weird, like, it's just my name. Right. Like it's like Smith yeah. over here. You know, is Hussein's a very common name. Right. And but at, back then, it's just that an education or lack of education. Right. right. You know, of how that happens. Joining in the military, I didn't have that. Like everybody was. We all were this, you right. know, and that felt that felt good. Like I knew where I belonged. I think I think Washington Guard too is very accepting of everybody's culture. Mm-hmm. Like I don't yes. ever see a difference. Right, right. It doesn't matter how dark you are, how light you are, bright red hair, dark hair. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. I think that's yeah. one beautiful thing about the Washington National Guard is you have you have that good diversity mm-hmm. within Absolutely. the organization and I, I I saw you know being around different states um, throughout my life uh, that's one thing I noticed about uh, Washington so um, Sergeant Shimomoto can you speak a little bit in your experiences growing up in Hawaii because Hawaii sort of you know out away from yeah. in the nice area right yeah, uh, how was it it's, it's weird it's it's a small island but it's so huge mm-hmm. you know everybody knows everybody and each island is its own you know has its own uh, way of doing things and way of saying things but uh back to what you guys were, were talking about like being cambodian or uh from bangladesh and last names like my last name shimamoto so i always wanted to be like full japanese mm-hmm, i was mm-hmm. like i'm gonna learn japanese i'm gonna do all these kind of things and my dad's like no just you're Japanese. That's fine. You don't have to be Japanese to mm-hmm. fit in. You yeah. know, just 
just be who you want to be. And my mom would always say, I love you for you, you know, no matter what you do, right? right. So um, I also was strong in the uh, Hawaiian community. So, you know, all the Hawaiian traditions, hula, mm-hmm. you know, to the part of, you know, luau's and making everything. And He plays a great ukulele, yeah, by the way. Playing really? music. We're going to need to listen to it. I told him to bring it. <laughs> and then, yeah, you should have yeah, brought yeah, it in. Yeah. <laughs> so, so all that, like, you do it every day. So I see myself not knowing how to speak Hawaiian, mm-hmm. not knowing how to speak Japanese. Like, where do I fit in? But um, I, I just keep thinking about what my parents said and just, you know, just mm-hmm. just be who you are and mm-hmm. you'll find your spot. And yeah. uh, thankfully, everybody just kind of comes towards me so I don't have to go yeah. that far. You, know? <laughs> you just open the door and have some good food yeah. and, and mm-hmm. some good stories and, and people will come around. We talked about identity, and I think a lot of Asians go through that that identity phase. Like, you know, oh, I'm yeah. in America. You know, do I hold on to my culture, my heritage? Do I forget about it and move on because I'm in America? And I, I think we've all had that struggle yeah. at one point or another. Still struggling with it. So Just yeah, trying, some people still struggle yeah, with it. You know, yeah, it, yeah, trying to hold on to everything. Yeah. I'm curious, wh- why did uh, each one of you want to join? the military because <laughs> military it isn't um I'll, I'll give you my insight on, on my experience when i first even thought about the military i was thinking well military is it is it for asians like <laughs> i really thought that in college right i was like how many of my asian friends are in the military right yeah a lot of doctors yeah, and lawyers yeah. but it's sticker, like, like you know yeah so <laughs> i started doing my research and i realized that there's a lot of asians and pacific islanders in the military i didn't mm-hmm. know right i had a lot of filipino friends join the the marines and i yeah. have i had a bunch of my korean friends that i sort of lost touch with and i was wondering why i lost touch it turns out they're in the army stationed in korea <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's oh well, maybe i should try this so for me it was more like okay my, my friend sort of led the way and it, it looked like they're, they're enjoying it um, their experiences uh, so I decided hey four years I'll give it a try see where things go um, so that's how I ended up you know uh, coming into the military so mine's a little different mm-hmm. um, my experience is really from my mother's side mm-hmm. my grandfather was a retired captain from the Air Force okay 20 years he served in Vietnam and Korea oh, nice. wow. and he knew um, with our family situation growing up you know like I mentioned earlier we were pretty poor mm-hmm. and he knew that the only way I was going to make it was through the military mm-hmm. so I remember going to the Air Force Academy and him mm-hmm. touring me around there or to uh, Texas A&M he wanted to get me the whole senior boots yeah. at the cadets and everything um, but yeah so he just knew that that's how I was going to make it out of our bad situation mm-hmm. and even in high school really like junior RTC probably saved my life because I stayed out of trouble Mm -hmm. but I got into trouble too so (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah so did junior ROTC and then I accepted a scholarship at UT in Arlington for Mm -hmm. an Army ROTC scholarship um we'll go with uh sorry uh, Shimamoto yeah well I was 17 Mm -hmm. uh my senior year of high school it's 2002 so uh, this is after, you know, 9-11 and everything. And everybody's like, 
you're joining the military? I'm like, shh, don't tell my parents, right? <laughs> oh. So uh, my dad served for a little while, uh, like two years back, mm-hmm. you know, during uh, Vietnam. And then my uncle served. He was a Marine. He's in Vietnam. And, you know, a few of my other, you know, family members served. Mm-hmm. So my dad, he kind of told me, hey, if you join, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And I remember signing up that Christmas my friends tell me, hey, if you're going to basic, you have to represent Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Don't volunteer for every, anything. And if you do, <laughs> if you do volunteer, you better be the best. So I went to basic. We got like the best platoon. Okay. We, we got all the ribbons and everything. And then I went to AIT. I got honor guard there. Nice. Nice. Or honor graduate. I'm sorry. And then came back home. And that that's how my military career started. Granted, my, my parents did sign the papers, you know, eventually. Right. But... Um, it, it just took them by surprise. Back then, I joined knowing that I ain't got no money. I ain't mm-hmm. got no scholarship. I don't really have a degree plan. Right. Mm-hmm. I was in JROTC for like one semester. <laughs> and I said, what am I going to do? I, I can't. There's so ma- only so many jobs in Hawaii that you can do. Right, There's only right. so many things that, you know, you want to do. And if you see a path out there, you have to take the opportunity to go. Right. And my parents were like, hey, whatever you do, I'll support you. Mm-hmm. Family, they all supported me. They, you know, the Asian culture, and it's pretty pretty weird. I was in AIT at mm-hmm. Fort Gordon, and I go to book my trip to come back home. And there's mm-hmm. this lady at the Carlson Wagonlet doing your travel. Mm-hmm. And she has this picture of the Merry Monarch uh-huh. um, that's held in Hawaii every year. It's a hula festival in okay. Hawaii. And I told her, hey, the Merry Monarch's on the island where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you're from the big island? I'm like, yes. And she looked at my last name. It says Shimamoto. And she said, uh, I have a cousin that's married to a Shimamoto. And she asked me, do you know a guy named Bob? I was like, I don't know Bob, but I have an uncle named Robert. You yeah. know? <laughs> I was 17, you know. I knew everything, right? <laughs> so come to find out that, that we're related, and she was my auntie. Oh, wow. So oh, wow. While I was in Fort Gordon, she took me under her wing and, you know, That's take awesome. me out on Thanksgiving oh, nice. and hang out. So so it seems um, like family pretty much and those around you really influenced mm-hmm. you to want to join the military. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I know... Uh, Cam Chum, <laughs> you have an interesting story as well when it comes down to uh, service in the military. Absolutely. Uh, so for me, uh, it's almost family tradition. Uh, well, almost. It is family tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandfather and dad both served in the Royal Cambodian Army. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So my grandpa, uh, Grandpa Chum, got out uh, as equivalent to a, a full bird colonel. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And my dad got out as a captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both infantry officers. Um, they were trained by Army Green Berets, Special mm. Forces, mm. during the time. And I've heard some really cool stories. Like, I, he told me when he was a PL, mm-hmm. uh, his company commander was actually an American Green mm-hmm. Beret when they would do patrols and they would get ambushed by the Khmer Rouge. Mm. And so, and then would, when they would work along the border, they'd, get, uh, they'd pump into the uh, North Viet Cong and stuff like that. Oh, NBA wow. soldiers. Yeah, so they yeah. were doing combat com- missions. It's, he doesn't talk too much about it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's you know he's just the only thing he says. Well, I'm a survivor. Mm-hmm. That's all he says, really. But you know when, when we you know hang out and have a few drinks, he, it kind of comes out once in a while. Tell me some stories. Um, yeah, so he he uh, they're both uh, military uncles were military. Mm-hmm. Had another uncle who was killed during the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an army medical officer. Mm-hmm. Um, he 
was killed in a mortar attack by the Khmer Rouge. Um, my grandfather, after he got out as a colonel, became chief of police uh, in Cambodia. Oh, wow. And he was also given the uh, equivalent, the King's Medal, which is equivalent to the Medal of Honor wow. uh, oh, here in America. Nice. We have a picture of him with that uh, mm -hmm. in his police uniform. He wears that medal. So I've got some big shoes to fill. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, uh, that's one of the reasons. Um, and two, uh, like I said, this uh, my history is, you know, during the Khmer Rouge genocide, uh, we survived. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember as a child, for one of the reasons we survived was my mom has a beautiful voice. She can sing. Oh. And the, the communists, the Khmer Rouge communists, used to make her sing communist songs. Mm -hmm. And I was like three or four years old, and they would make me dance wearing communist outfit. And I would dance to oh. the communist songs. Wow. Yeah, then, uh, it's pretty crazy. And that's the reason they didn't execute us. Oh, wow. Um, oh, they were executing women, children, uh, if you wore glasses, you were considered mm -hmm. of higher intellect, they would execute you. If you're a former teacher, mm -hmm. soldier, police officer, medical ambulance, anything mm -hmm. of education that they thought of higher of you, you were executed. Oh, wow. Um, so they executed my grandpa because they found out he was a, a colonel mm -hmm. in the Cambodian Royal Army. Mm -hmm. um, they executed my uncles, mm -hmm. um, and we escaped. Uh, finally, we took a chance to escape. My dad was still fighting him. And we escaped to the Thai-Cambodian border, where we lived in a refugee camp for about two years. No food, no water. Mm -hmm. uh, it was It's pretty crazy because I still get images. Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe it's caused by traumatic oh, yeah. right. events. Mm -hmm. So I, I still see images of my mom carrying me. Mm -hmm. I see images of explosions. I see images of uh, me getting flying in the air. My mom said, yeah, I got hit by a mortar or something oh, like wow. that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. That's I saw combat when I was uh, five years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so... That's interesting because it seems like you you had so much to overcome even before, you know, coming yeah. to America, right? And oh, absolutely. Joining the, uh, you know, eventually coming over to the Washington National Guard. Um, I, I, when I read that, I, I thought it was really interesting that you had that background even before you Thank came you. over. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate States. that. A big part of serving is you have those memorable moments. Oh man! Serving in, in, in the military. I can say what my favorite thing is, okay. and that's the people. Right. As far as memories go, there's a lot. A lot like, of good memories. Yeah, like um, being from Texas, so I was a platoon leader um, in a human resources company, mm -hmm. and that was pretty interesting. Um, okay. That unit, they did like theater gateway operations, like out in Kuwait. Oh wow. Um, that the unit that I got ADOS in when I was, you know, like, what's my turning point, God? Like, mm -hmm. am I going to do this full time or get out? Um, I was part of the Texas pre-mobilization training assister. Mm -hmm. So instead of units conducting their own pre-mob training before they hit platform, we had a small cell of um, different MOSs, different backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we set up their training for AT, and they came to us, and we ran them through everything, sticks, lanes, gunnery, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and there I learned my most of okay. operations, of how things went, you know, leadership-wise. Mm -hmm. I met so many people during that year and a half on that mission. Mm -hmm. So I would say that was probably my biggest turning point as a leader of where I learned the most. Okay. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's where you remember the people around yeah. you the most is when when you do the most growing, you know, even mm -hmm. within the military. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still talk to several of those NCOs. Like, nice. Yeah. Um, my OIC at the time, he's Major Adams now. He was a great mentor back then, nice. too. 
Yeah, and he was very much, uh, he's a infantry officer down there still. Okay. And so <laughs> I still, you know, talk to him here and there and get advice. Nice. Um, Sergeant Shimamoto, uh, what is your favorite moment or part in yeah. serving in the military? My first deployment in 04 through 06, it was with the Hawaii Guard. And okay. it was the first time Hawaii's, Hawaii National Guard has been activated since, like, uh, I think it was 40 years. I think it was like oh, wow. 1970s, right? So then um, this was in 2002. And um, we we took 100 442 with us from the reserves. Mm-hmm. And it was just a bunch of local Hawaii people mm-hmm. overseas. And we started a hula group, mm-hmm. a hula group. And we toured around each base doing like an MWR tour. Oh, nice. Um, you know, dancing hula, doing the haka. Um, you know, just sharing the aloha with everybody. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a lot of these other units that were active duty units or guard units deployed in mm-hmm. Iraq were like, wow, I'm here and I'm getting a Hawaiian show mm-hmm. for free. You know? <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> and, it's awesome. Right? It's pretty and, expensive. <laughs> and it, it's, it's funny because you, you see all these people from Hawaii and the culture and we were throwing shakas everywhere and like mm-hmm. greeting everybody. And then, you know, uh, I, I don't know how it happened, but it was a general that came through, and he was like, uh, you guys shouldn't be throwing gang signs at the gate when we're coming <laughs> in. And we're like, no, that's how we greet everybody, right? So, you know, Shaka got banned for a little bit. But um, I took that experience, you know, with me everywhere I go. So, you know, I, I brought my ukulele with me on that trip, uh, and it was in a bright blue case. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have a tactical yeah. <laughs> a ukulele case that would run around so it was in the back of the humvee and when we'd be driving around everybody like oh there's shimmy with his hump ukulele, ukulele. And his humvee. <laughs> we'll just go over there and hang out anytime i go on a exercise or in you know 2018 i went to iraq brought my ukulele with me there mm-hmm. you know got second place at a talent show right nice. you know while we were there and you know just sharing that hawaiian culture with everybody kind of helps you know break break it up so mm-hmm. when Everybody knows, hey, he's approachable. I can talk to him. Mm-hmm. You kind of build those relationships. Right, right. Yeah. And then you kind of build that camaraderie. Um, I've got a lot of good memories. And you know, some some of them were made just sitting around at <laughs> a, the uh, exhibition center up at SeaTac uh, in in uh, Seattle mm-hmm. during the riots. And we're just playing ukulele and trying to, you know, br- break it up for some of the SPD folks that were out there. And nice. It was It was a lot of fun. Nice. And thankfully, military helped us do that. So yeah, I can't complain. Kim uh, Shum, yeah. your favorite moment, part uh, of serving in the military? Uh, for me, so prior to Washington Army National Guard, I was a U.S. Marine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually how I started my military career. Okay. Uh, I enlisted when I was 17. Um, it was between the Army and the Marine Corps. And, <laughs> okay. uh, the Army offered a lot of college money, but the Marine Corps offered me to blow and destroy things. Okay. They're, they're better at selling that to me. All right, fair enough. Dress blues look really good, by the way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I enlisted when I was 17, joined the Marine Corps, went 0311 Infantry. Okay. Uh, served four years with the 2nd Battalion South Marines out in 29 Palms, California. Okay, The nice. Mojave Desert. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't even know the desert existed in America at the time. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, – I was stationed out there um, – Served as a squad leader, mm-hmm. uh, second platoon, second squad leader. Um, and that's where I think I learned a lot of leadership traits. Um, for me, it was being in the field. 
Mm-hmm. I know a lot of soldiers, a lot of Marines hate going to the field. Mm-hmm. And the reason I enjoyed going to the field was because that's when you really got to know people. Um, right, right. The real side comes out, right? Mm-hmm. When it's, especially under stressful situations mm-hmm. or any type of situation. Under duress, you really get to know those people. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and everyone's different. And that's what's great about it. And you have time to get to know people. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there's time where you can sit there and you talk about their family, who they are, where they came from. You know, you have that those moments where mm-hmm. you don't. When you go back to the barracks, everybody does their own thing. You know, everybody mm-hmm. goes out. The formation, PT, and they go out. Um, same with the Washington Army National Guard. It's now being a commissioned officer mm-hmm. in the uh, uh, National Guard. It's it's the same thing. Um, I really enjoy getting to know the soldiers because mm-hmm. you get to see your soldiers in action. Yeah, you get yeah, to yeah. know their characteristics, their abilities, mm-hmm. uh, capabilities, and, and what to improve on, mm-hmm. right? Their abilities, like, hey, he's strong here, he's weak here. But then you get to know their life, their history, and what's what makes them unique, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's special because I believe we all have a story to tell, every mm-hmm. individual. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy listening to stories. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for me, it's being in the field. And yeah, I hated being in the field when I was in yeah. infantry. Uh-huh. But as a signal officer, mm-hmm. I don't mind it. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah. And also as a full-time technician here, uh, with Sergeant Shimamoto, mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, G6 duo, shout out. And also <laughs> 898 Bev up in Marysville, shout out as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to, to be there. Uh, like I mentioned, the van rides. Mm-hmm. And he plays his ukulele. Mm-hmm. I mean, he serenades me every time. Nice. So. I'm going to need to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get serenaded. Uh, we'll have to <laughs> invite me back. You'll see that. <laughs> Part two. Um, it, it, se- it seems like a lot of uh, the good memories serving in the military just have to do with, uh, you know, those that are around us that mm-hmm. we create these memories with, right? Sort of the slowly wrap things up. I, I sort of want to open everything up. Um, not anything specific uh, as far as topic goes but i sort of want to anything else we should know (laughs) about you right okay um well i'm married been married to my husband for 10 years now we have a daughter who's nine and a son who's about to be four okay um my husband is a fitness trainer and he has been for like 15 years. So, oh, wow, that's a yeah, time. so that I, t- I always joke that like if I wasn't in the army and if I wasn't married to him, I don't know where, where I'd be yeah. in shape. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's just been our like marriage is focused around health and fitness. And uh, he actually just competed in a strongman competition. Nice. And he's training me to do a powerlifting competition Golly. in September. Right on, man. Yeah. So I really, That's like, awesome. I just love that intensity right. of those yeah. competitions. They're always fun. I'm usually the one really screaming for my husband, right. too. <laughs> right. He'll make sure. I know, right? <laughs> He'll make sure you max yeah. out your ACFT. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know about running, but maybe the other one. Yeah. Um, and then, let's see. I am a Girl Scout leader nice. for a little troop in Yakima. Awesome. Okay. For the east side, our council's eastern Washington, northern Idaho. So it's a big a really big council Mm -hmm. um i've been doing that since we've moved up here since 2018 kind Mm -hmm. of bounced around but now we have our little tight-knit troop and the girls are amazing and they're all like different cultures and they just bring everything together and it's fun to watch them and then 
I'm actually a secret metalhead. I love heavy oh, metal music. Oh, wow. So okay, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> right. I love all music, but that's my go-to music. So. Nice. <laughs> all right, Asami uh, Shimamoto. Uh, anything else that we should know about so, you? So, so back in '04, uh, I was I think I was like 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were getting deployed. I met my wife. Oh, and she okay. was 18. When okay. We got married six months later. Mm-hmm. We've been together since. Awesome. Oh, wow. So awesome. Sometimes you make one good choice, and that's all it, it takes. And everything just yeah. goes on. So, you know, if it wasn't for her, I don't know where I'd be, you know, in both shape <laughs> and, you know, some other things. But um, she, she's really been the one that's helped, helped me out with, okay. you know, managing my money, mm-hmm. managing, like, where I want to be in life. And, nice. And, you know, um, we come from the same culture and uh, come from the same island. Mm-hmm. We were at our wedding. My grandmother and her grandmother were sitting right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about who's related to who. Yeah. And sure <laughs> enough, found we're another related. cousin. <laughs> but it's only through marriage. Okay. So it's, oh, it was totally wow. fine. But this was at yeah. the wedding. The wedding day. You know, oh, at, so, so the saying is true. Huh? Yeah. So you I can know. see that coming from the island, though, <laughs> yeah. right? Because everything's so. You know, you're yeah. you're separated it's, and it's so it's all statistics, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. so and then that same deployment, I made a CD of uh-huh. all my songs that are you know original songs that I wrote. Classic, right? And on. I dedicated the first track of each CD to like all my friends. Yeah, like, man. If oh, I nice. gave one to you know Captain Chum, I'd be like, hey, Captain Chum, it's been great hanging out with you for this last year. You're amazing. Right. All on, your man. Marine stories are amazing. Right? <laughs> Thanks, man. And then it'd go into the songs that I wrote, and I gave it to everybody. That's good. Do you, you still have those recordings? During my or? deployment, yeah. That's awesome. So I have them all. And nice. one of the CDs I gave to my wife, right? Mm-hmm. And all, on every trip we go to, as soon as one of my songs come on, like her, the kids, like everybody knows all the words to the song, mm-hmm. except for me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a lot of people joke around, but I'm, I'm known as like a half song kind of singer because I don't want to pay royalties. <laughs> but so they get you, um, you know. It, it, I've been I've been very fortunate and lucky, and you know, thankfully had good good people in my life. So nice, nice, That's awesome, bro. Can't complain. Um, moving on to <laughs> Captain Chum. Um, yeah, brother. Anything else that we should know about you? <laughs> Okay, so I've married to my wife. We've been together for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Married for 11. Wow, nice. Uh, yeah, she's proud of her. She's actually graduating, getting her PharmD, which is a doctorate in uh, pharmacy. So nice. she'll be a doctor of medicine in two weeks. Nice. So we're very proud of her. I have a 10-year-old son, a 6-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> so what you may not know about me is actually I was an actor in mm. Hollywood prior to reenlisting in the military. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So when I got okay. the, yeah, when I got out of the Marines, I went to college, went to College of the Desert. I said, you know what? I used to love acting because I started when I was 13, mm-hmm. actually, believe it or not. And didn't land any gigs. You know, I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, you know, I, li- I liked it. Let's give it a shot. And uh, it's hard, right? You, you, People go through life not finding what they love doing. Right, well, two right. Two things I loved. And um, I've been blessed and lucky. And that's the military, one, mm-hmm. and acting. Mm, okay. I really enjoyed it. I, uh, I worked on a couple of uh, theatricals. Okay. Uh, Pirates of Penzance, the musical. I did two years of uh, being vocally trained. Okay. So voice as a baritone slash tenor. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, I did, uh, I did Shakespeare sonnets. Okay. I was nominated by the Desert Theater League for uh, 
Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. I received the ASCOD Alumni Association Award for Excellence in Theatrical Arts from wow. College of the Desert. Okay. Moved to L.A., uh, got on my first gig working on a Mel Gibson movie called We Were Soldiers. What? Really? Yes. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I got, great, I got pictures I've of me. I've seen pictures. It's mm-hmm. true. Me, it's Mel, true. Barry Pepper, uh, pictures of me, Sam Elliott at Paramount Studios. Okay. That's where we shot the final scenes of uh, the, the tunnel scenes uh, yeah, in the yeah. movie. Uh, from there, I went on to do other movies. I was a stunt, worked on stunt works, utilities with my brother-in-law, who's currently still a uh, stunt coordinator for Hollywood. Okay. Uh, he's actually really well, uh, known now. Um, his son's actually in Cobra Kai, the new TV series. Yeah, yeah. My nephew, I watched yeah. it. So my nephew's yeah. the, uh, in, in season four. He's okay. the Asian kid that bullies the other guys. That's really? My, yeah, that's my nephew, actually. Okay. Yeah, wow. um, I worked with him on The Hulk, right. Ang Lee's Hulk. I uh, was stuntman in that. Um, then I worked on La Lina which actually came out as the movie called The Line with Ray Liotta, Andy Garcia. I played a Thai a henchman on that. Okay. I played a Thai bodyguard in an old TV show called The Unit. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you I remember that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So episode 22, Okay. Uh, for, I think it's called Free Fall, when the Thai prince comes in. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I had longer hair. My hair was kind of combed down to my shoulder. I had a okay. goatee. I uh, huh. was the Thai bodyguard in that. All right. Um, and then I did a uh, my last production uh, before I... Uh, uh, changed career courses um, <laughs> uh, was uh, Meet Dave with Eddie Murphy. Wow. Uh, wow! I played number four, so I was second in command of number five, Pat Cobain, the actor. So we shot that on 21st Century Studio Fox, okay. where I believe I almost got ran over by Bruce Willis. That's a true <laughs> wow. story, by the way. Wow! Yeah, so I was crossing the street. I was trying to go to wardrobe and hair to change out of my uniform. Uh-huh. And this black BMW comes swinging around the corner. And it was Bruce. And <laughs> I was like, whoa! And, and he's and sick, like 500 class BMW, all 10 out. He sticks his head out, and it's Bruce Willis. <laughs> and he looks at me, and he goes, oh, sorry, brother, didn't see you there. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, Bruce? Hey, it's okay, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. That's a true story. He's, wow. He's sorry, man. And then he just drives off. That's that was my encounter with Bruce Lewis, by the way. But yeah, he almost ran me over. <laughs> Did you have, because um, I'm, I'm sure years ago um, when you decided to pursue like Hollywood yeah. style uh, acting, I mean, it wasn't really open to the Asian community back no, then. No, it was actually really hard. I bet it uh, was, yeah. The auditions I went to, mm-hmm. I actually auditioned for a show called uh, The Greatest Warrior. Mm-hmm. It was an old show where they put like two different warriors from two glasses. I think it was on History Channel. Okay. Uh, and I went to I went to audition to play um, a Viet Cong, mm-hmm. even though I was Cambodian. Right. But uh, <laughs> because of my military background, uh-huh. and I understood the AK-47 and everything right, else. Right. Um, and I, they did the, the screen test and everything, and the director's like, hey, do you have an agent? I was like, not at this moment. He was like, you look great on my camera. You should pursue this. It was one of those things where it was really tough to get a gig at the time. This was early 2000s. Right, right. Um, where it was, at that time, was Latin mania. Yes. Jennifer Lopez mm-hmm. was big. Was. Enrique Iglesias. There was yeah, Latin mania, yeah. and it was all it Latin was. mania. And there was nothing really for Asians. I think there was yeah. a few stand-up comedians. Yeah, it was more on the comedy it, side yeah, of things. Yeah, that was about yeah. it. Right? Now it's just, it's huge. Crazy yeah. Rich Asians. Right. Uh, Shang-Chi. Yeah. I mean, this would be a great time for me to go back to Hollywood. Right. And, and the, I, I plan on doing that, by the way. I'm just letting y'all know. Oh, yeah, you. absolutely. They need more Asian dads. Oh. They need more Asian dads. <laughs> I've been practicing. I've had many years of practice. Thank you, Sashimoto. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like, um, you know, in, in current day, Asians in Hollywood, they, you know, 
it's a little bit they're more known where it's more common to see asian actors yes. um but it must have been uh you know, ju- just what you've accomplished back then, you know, yeah. how hard it was. I think that's, that's awesome. Cause yeah, there I think, wasn't a demand at all. Right. Like, it was a challenge. Like, if I went to, if the audition was for a dad, mm-hmm. you were going to audition against every other dad. There wasn't, right, like, right. we're looking for an Asian dad, or but then you, do you fit the stereotype of an Asian dad? Right. I, that was hard for me because, uh, like, my brother-in-law, he gets typecast a lot because he has right. more authentication features mm-hmm. so he's stuck in that role where i have more uh you know different looks i can play different races and right. that was that could be beneficial and also it hurts you because mm-hmm. you're not asian enough for us right <laughs> it's true i got those like no we need more asian look yeah like, yeah really? <laughs> like i'm looking at the mirror at the time i'm pretty asian but all right but you're yeah. perfect for the military yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, that that's great. I yeah. I didn't you know um, before getting to know you, I, I I didn't know all of that. Um, you know what what you have done previous to everything, and yeah. that goes that goes to everybody mm-hmm. here. Uh, you know, during this uh, last hour or so, I think I think I learned so much. Um, same same here about yeah, everybody. Absolutely. Over here. And uh, hopefully those are th- that are listening in right now, it gave you a glimpse of, you know, it, it, it's we're Asian-Americans and Pacific Islanders. But at the same time, there's also a lot of diversity going on within that, you know, within this community. And we sort of wanted to reach out to everybody so everybody knows um, a little bit more about the Asian and Pacific Islander uh, community. Um, so to wrap everything up, I, I just want to thank everyone for your time i know your time's valuable and i appreciate that uh, everyone's here to you know share your individual stories and um for those that are listening out there uh we want to thank you for tuning in um and don't forget we have a a lot more podcasts coming up so if you're not subscribed or follow to us on spotify or the apple platform or even iheart app uh, make sure you go ahead so you don't miss our uh, upcoming episodes Um, With that, uh, this was Peter Chang with Raven Conversations signing out.